catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. I want to hear cannons. Snap to Brady. Brady looking, Brady looking. He may run. Brady has got a hurdle. He's got a first down inside the 25, and he slides at the 22. He got him. He's fired up. Tom Brady runs for a first down. Here's the snap. Brady hands the ball off, running to the left. His Fournette inside the 25. Step far to the 20. On his feet to the 15, 10. 5, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Leonard Fournette. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whoa, is that the dagger? I hope so with 20 seconds left. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons the cannons. Going. Fire them. Yeah. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rep Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. It is our season predictions show. We'll take a look at the 2022 slate of opponents for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Basically go down the list and tell you how we think things are going to shake out. Evan, I am excited. One of our longest podcasts of the year, by the way, but uh, I'm excited to dive into this one. Yeah, our, our two longest pods normally are uh, the season predictions and the season review. So, uh, yeah, this is probably I'm, I'm I'm always more excited to talk season predictions than season review uh, because technically we've already reviewed that stuff. We're just reviewing it again. This is a brand new, you know, like you said, fresh slate. We're going to go game by game. Um, we'll spend more time on some games than others, like like some games like we won't spend as much time on um than, than than some other ones and uh yeah i'm really excited uh the history of this show and i have to bring this up every year uh the history of this shows that i'm pretty good at this uh not to toot my own horn but what i predict normally ends up happening this is uh i'm trying to go for the fourth straight year where i accurately predict the bucks record in 2019, I predicted seven and nine. In 2020, I predicted 11 and five. And in 2021, I predicted 13 and four. I believe you predicted uh, 11 and five and 13 and four in 2020 and 2021 as well. Um, but 2019, I have you beat. So you're trying to be three straight and I'm trying to go for four straight. So we've been doing a pretty good job of this. Uh, and, and this year, hopefully we're, we're able to do it again. Yeah, I- 
I get a little bit of anxiety about this year in particular, though, because it seems like everybody's opinions about this team are, are kind of all over the place. And, like, I know that sounds weird because everybody's picking the Bucks to win a lot of games. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of people who look at the schedule that we have and, and think that the Bucks are probably going to win their ceiling would be like 13 games. You know, maybe 11 and 12 sounds a little more realistic. And then there's other people on the other side of the spectrum who just feel like this team is going to get better and they're going to win 15 games, 16 games, 14 and three. And it's one of those things where I think what you and I try to do every single year is just reel things in a little bit. Look at this with the most realistic lens that we can, because the fact of the matter is an NFL season is now 18 weeks long and there are peaks and valleys for any team in any NFL season. And um, I'm sure as both of our predictions are going to tell us here, there's probably going to be some peaks and valleys at some point for the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we dive into the prediction, I did want to talk about uh, just some news this week. The Buccaneers basically cut their roster down to 53. And uh, we'll talk about some of the notable guys who are gone. But really, I think a lot of who we expected to be on this team this time of year is still on the team. But uh, the biggest surprise for a lot of people was in the wide receiver room. We had talked so much about that coveted seventh wide receiver spot. It ends up going to Scotty Miller as Tyler Johnson is no longer a Tampa Bay Buccaneer claimed by the Houston Texans on waivers earlier this afternoon. A surprise to some people, but I mean, I can't say I'm too shocked when you, when you look at what he's done for us lately. Um, I, I was, I was very surprised. Um, is he he was having a good camp uh having a good preseason you know i know the the drops were in there he had a drop versus miami and a drop versus houston uh no sorry not versus houston versus indy um i, I had houston on the mimes that's where he went um but uh you know i i was i was surprised uh i i genuinely thought that he was pretty much safe uh i didn't think he was gonna get like a ton of playing time this year but i thought he was pretty much safe and um I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it shows that they're really putting a value on, on special teams. Uh, Miller plays special teams. Johnson doesn't. That's that's the big difference. If Johnson played special teams, Johnson would probably still be here and, and Miller wouldn't um, because I think as a receiver, I think Tyler Johnson is the more talented wide receiver than Scotty Miller. And I don't I don't think there's many disagreeing with that. Um but the, the bigger one that I have is they kept Rashad Perryman over Tyler Johnson. And Perryman, while he's he's decent, he was injured for most of camp. Yeah, he really um, didn't do he, anything. He, no, he didn't play, like, at all. Played a little bit versus Indy uh, and didn't really do much. So that was the more confusing one to me. Like, okay, Miller plays special teams. That's fine. Perryman doesn't really play that much special teams. So I would have preferred to keep Tyler Johnson over Brashad Perryman. If you were going to keep a receiver that was limited on, on special teams. So that's the, the one thing there. Um, I, you know, everybody knows I was a big Tyler Johnson fan. I still believe that the Buccaneers do not beat the saints in the divisional round in 2020 without Tyler Johnson's catch on third and 11. Uh, that was a really clutch catch. I believe the Bucks were either down at that point or the game was tied. Uh, so if he doesn't make that catch, I, I think that game goes differently. Um, and, and he had some, he had some nice moments. It's just, he couldn't find that consistency. And I think last year when Chris Godwin went down and he kind of couldn't really step up, that was uh, a, a big indication that maybe, you know, he's not there yet. And while he had a good preseason, I, I you know, 
their punt coverage and kick coverage was not very good. And I think that's what they're looking for right now with their backup receivers and backup corners. And Johnson just couldn't really supply that. So, I mean, Todd Bowles literally said today that uh, Johnson just didn't have much value on special teams. So that's why the decision was made and best of luck to him. And when you make the comparison really quickly between Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, it's, it's hard to get too emotionally involved into this because we're talking about wide receiver five, wide receiver six kind of territory. And those aren't the guys who are going to be making plays on every single drive. But do you think chemistry with the quarterback and, and Scotty Miller's brief history with Tom Brady has something to do with it as well? Because he was yelling at Tyler Johnson in that uh, preseason came against Indy after he dropped it on the first drive of the game. Uh, maybe. Um, I, I think it, it might have something to do with it, but I really just think it comes down to special teams. Like I, I really, really do. Um, they're clearly looking for guys that, can play the gunner position. And I think they think that Miller can, can do a sufficient job there. So um, I think that's what it comes down to mostly. I mean, could Brady have had to say, sure, maybe, but like, you know, it's not like Scotty Miller lit the world on fire. He had an opportunity last season too. Uh, and he wasn't that good this preseason. Like we talked about it. Like he, he wasn't that good. He had a drop versus Indy as well on a pass from Blaine Gabbard that was right in his hands. Um, so he wasn't very good either. So it could have something to do with chemistry. Um, Scotty Miller has been on the Bucks longer, but obviously Brady's been playing with Johnson and Miller, you know, the same amount of time. Um, but, you know, I, I, do you think Brady probably would have preferred uh, Miller? I, I always got the sense that Brady just hated Tyler Johnson. Um, I, I always kind of got that sense. It seemed like Johnson sometimes didn't know where to go, like on some routes or, you know, got confused pretty easily. So um, I think that's an advantage that Miller had as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's not an egregious decision, but it's just I wouldn't have made the decision that they did. Yeah. And of course, this is the season prediction show that you're tuned into. So we're going to wrap it up on the 53 man roster, but we are probably going to take some time to dive deeper into that topic next week on the podcast as we kick off our mailbag series with former Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. So be on the lookout for that. But ladies and gentlemen, the moment you have all been waiting for, I don't have a drum roll queued up, but uh, we can roll right into this thing. Taking a look at the 2022 season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Former defensive coordinator Todd Bowles takes the reins as head coach with a returning Tom Brady at quarterback. I mean, you look at Tom Brady fresh off a season where he threw 5,300 yards and 44 touchdowns in the regular season, led the league in both of those categories. The Buccaneers finished the year with the second-ranked scoring offense in the league. Safe to say, Evan, uh, people are going to predict the Bucs to win a lot of games this year. I think so. Um, I like... Is there losses? Yeah. Ryan Jensen, um, of course, still on the team, but um, is a loss because, I, you know, at, at the earliest, I think it's going to be mid-December at the very earliest for Jensen to even possibly return. Um, and that's not even a guarantee that he does return at all this year. Uh, and then obviously the Rob Gronkowski, uh, Jordan Whitehead. Um, so th th there's a lot of guys that aren't going to be back on this team, but they also brought in talent. It's not like they just didn't replace those guys. Uh, Ali Marpet retiring as well. Uh, Alex Kappa losing into free agency, but you're bringing Shaq Mason to fill the Alex Kappa role. You bring in Kyle Rudolph and draft Kate Otten and Coke Keith to kind of help fill the Rob Gronkowski role. Uh, you signed Logan Ryan, who was released, but will be resigned by the time this episode, I think, drops. Um, so Keanu Neal as well. Um, so they're trying to kind of 
you know, plug in and substitute some pieces here. Um, but just because they did lose some significant pieces, but that doesn't mean like they're going to take a significant step back. I still think, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be a, a pretty good team uh, this year, barring, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy. That, that's a big deal as we saw last season, but um, you know, it, assuming everybody stays relatively healthy, I, I still do believe they will be a good team. Yeah, and when we compare the Bucks to the uh, to their opponents later on in the episode, we'll get a little more into this. But I thought the Bucks did a really, really good job at just kind of addressing all the holes that they needed to. Like, it didn't feel like they focused on one area more than the next. I think a lot of people can look back in hindsight and say, yeah, I wish we got a better answer at the offensive line position, maybe signing a J.C. Treader a little bit sooner. But the Bucks have also made it clear that they have faith in guys like Nick Leverett, Robert Hainsey, who both should be ready to dress up and go for week one against Dallas. So given the resources and the position they were in, I think the Bucks had a pretty damn good offseason. Yeah, I, I thought they, they did a fine job um, of, like I said, of replacing the guys that they lost. They lost two guys to retirement, you know. Um, they didn't. They chose not to re-sign Adamican Sue. They bring in Akeem Hicks. It's not like they didn't replace Adamican Sue. Um and then obviously, like I said, about the whole Shaq Mason thing, yes, with in terms of replacing Ali Marpet, look, you, you can't you can't fill every need every offseason. Uh, you know, I, I'm a believer in that, but you you can try your best. Uh, and they even, you know, try to replace like Antonio Brown with, with a guy like Russell Gage. Um, you know, Julio Jones now in the mix as well. So uh, you know, trying to replace Ronald Jones with, with Rashad White. You know, it's it's even like smaller moves like that that they they tried to substitute. It's not like they just lost these guys and didn't have uh, a plan to kind of replace them and replace their production. So I, that's why I think that they, you know, could still, you know, even take us that forward this year. Let's go ahead and dive into the season week one. We are kicking things off in Dallas against Dallas Sunday night football. It is basically a rematch of the week one season premiere last year where they played the Cowboys in Raymond James Stadium, except this time they're doing it over there in Jerry World. It's a rematch last year's season opener. Now they are in Dallas. The Bucs needed a big drive from Tom Brady to wrap that game up. And of course, they had that big catch from Chris Godwin, too, who I want to say more than likely will not be available for this game. I know we've talked a lot about during camp and the preseason. His progress has been good. He didn't see any preseason action and he was wearing a non-contact jersey the last few days at regular practice before the last preseason game. I'm sure he's going to continue to progress. I just don't think he's going to be ready to go in time for week one because let's face it. Personally, I think the Bucs can beat the Cowboys without Chris Godwin on the field. Uh, Yeah, I, they haven't really been clear about it. Um, Maybe Johnson not making the roster is a sign that they think I'll be ready. Who knows? Um. They haven't yet really been too clear. Maybe they're trying to keep their cards close to the vest, trying to, you know, maybe not give Dallas any tips or anything. But, um, yeah, they haven't been clear on whether or not God will be available. Um, I think he could. If I had to guess, I would say he's not going to play. If I had, like, I had to bet on it. Um, Russell Gage returned to practice today, so I think that's a positive sign. Mike Evans played versus Indy, and he wouldn't have played if he wasn't healthy. Todd Bull says he's 100%, so he'll be good to go. Um, yeah, I, I think that in Godwin's case, it'll be close. Uh, I, I don't think Godwin's far off. I, I really don't. Uh, I'm just not sure if if, if they're going to play him versus Dallas because I'm not sure if they, if they feel the need to. Um, now, something that's interesting 
about this game for both teams. Um, the Bucks had Tom Brady through four touchdowns last last time these two teams met in week one. Two of them were to Rob Gronkowski. One was to Chris Godwin. And one was to Antonio Brown. All three of those players are now, well, I mean, Chris Godwin's on the roster, but he may not play. So there's a real chance that all three of those players who scored touchdowns in that game will not be on the field for the Buccaneers on that Sunday night football game. Antonio Brown had five receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin had nine receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. Rob Gronkowski had eight receptions for 90 yards and two touchdowns. It's a lot of production to replace. Um, but the good news for the Bucs, it doesn't just go one way. Amari Cooper was traded from the Dallas Cowboys to the Cleveland Browns this offseason. In la- last year's game, he had 13 catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns. It's a lot of production Dallas could be missing there. Um, also, Michael Gallup, uh, not sure if he's going to be able to play in week one either. Uh, C.D. Lamb, who will be on the field, though, had seven receptions for 104 yards and a touchdown. So both teams are going to be missing key pieces that help them help the Bucks win and then also help Dallas stay in the game last year. So last year's matchup, I think this year's matchup is going to look a lot different uh, stylistically and everything that than, than last year's matchup did. Yeah, I mean, you had talked about the missing pieces on offense for Dallas and, of course, Tampa Bay missing some of those touchdown scores coming into this game. But that's exactly why I wanted to highlight a guy like Russell Gage this week. You mentioned that he showed up at practice today, was full participation, which is always great. means he should be ready to go for week one. But uh, this is where he earns that money, man. I mean, Mike Evans is obviously going to have a ton of attention on him. Julio Jones probably going to be out there working as well. And then everyone else in that wide receiver room going to be fighting for snaps. But it's going to be a back and forth game. Like, I I, I want to think that maybe it's not as high scoring as last year's was. But I still think that it's going to be score for score, blow for blow, could be a really big game. And then on the other side of the ball for Tampa Bay, before we get into the final prediction here, I think this is a a great start for the defense to really get back up to regular season speed. I know you had mentioned the missing wide receivers, and that's going to be a huge problem. But again, with SMB coming out here on the initial depth chart at cornerback number two, I think a lot more eyes are going to be on him in this week one. And I know that the initial 53 depth chart isn't the final one that they're rolling with going into week one against Dallas, but we do know SMB is going to be getting some work at a little bit of a different position this year. Yeah, um, I'm still in the camp of Jamel Dean to be the the second cornerback. Um, I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting got injured on the second drive versus Dallas last year, so it's a chance for him to, to sort of redeem himself there. Um, I mean, not to mention, you know, Dallas Tyron Smith uh, is out. Uh, he's not going to play, so I believe they're actually going to be rolling with Tyler Smith. I know it's a similar name uh, at, at left tackle. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if Todd Bowles decides to load that left side uh, against that left tackle uh, with Shaq Barrett um, or if Barrett plays the opposite side and have Joe Tronchowinko play that. So uh, I do agree. I think this is lower scoring than last year's game. I don't have a score prediction, but I, I think it's lower scoring uh, because like I just said, that production by both offenses, like that's, that's guys that they don't have. So um, 
I do think it's lower scoring. I think both defenses are going to be sort of ahead of each offense a little bit. And um, yeah, I, I think if Chris Godwin, especially if Chris Godwin doesn't play, I think that's a big advantage for Dallas's defense because they really struggled to contain Godwin last year. So uh, if Russell Gage can step up, you know, he's, he's going to, if the Bucks want to win, Russell Gage is going to have to step up. You know, he can't just be invisible out there. So um, it'll be interesting to see. And like I said, I, I'm pr- it's, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I, I think it'll be a close game, but I think it'll be a lower scoring game. I got the Bucks taking this one with a score of 27 to 24. I know you said you didn't really have any final score predictions. And, uh, I mean, God, what was the final score of the week one game last year? 31-28? It was 31-29. Okay, 31-29. So I know my score isn't too different, but I don't think either team is going to break 30 points, and that seems to be the magic number for the Buccaneers offense most weeks. Uh, 27-24, I got the Buccaneers taking this one in advance to 1-0. You got them winning as well? I do. I, I do think the books. Uh, I think it's close, and I just – Dallas didn't improve in the offseason. I think they got worse. I think, I mean, I was going to say this, you know, before yesterday, but I think Philly is better than them. But before even Philly acquired Chauncey Garner-Johnson, um, I think Philly's was better than them before that. Um, so uh, I, I don't, I'm not a huge believer in Dallas, but I also think that Dallas is a decent team. Like they're not bad. So I think this game will be close, uh, but I do have the Bucks taking it kind of in similar fashion. I think it'll be a three point game or so. It's so like something like, you know, 24, 21, 23, 20, something like that. So it's a season opener, but it is also the first game in a brutal four-week stretch for Tampa Bay. Probably the toughest stretch on their schedule and uh, to open the season to boot on top of it obviously is an idea. So we both have them winning in Dallas. Let's move on to week two. They are on the road against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, man, oh man. I guess we'll have to just pick up where we left off with this one. And I think the sentiment with both of us here is I will believe it when I see it. Um... We've all heard the same thing going on pretty much three years now. In the Brady era, the Bucs have only beaten the Saints one time in five attempts. We all know it was a 2020 divisional round playoff game where they end up winning Super Bowl 55 at the end of it. Hip, hip, hooray. But this is not the 2020 divisional round, and the Bucs have just been bodied by New Orleans for the regular season. I mean, even before Arians has gotten here, it really has felt like, you know, every now and again, Dirk Cutter would kind of get his comeuppance on, uh, on New Orleans, but... For the most part, everybody is just sick of seeing this team. You know what the story is. You you know the animosity these two teams have for each other. I mean, we we already know, right? You look at New Orleans over the offseason, they've taken some injury hits, but that certainly has not stopped them from beating the Bucs in the past. They're going to have a motivated Jameis Winston. They're going to have a defense that's still built to shut down Tampa Bay's passing offense, even with the recent departure of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who got shipped off to Philly. Uh, The question is, will Tom Brady's struggles against Dennis Allen continue? And in week two, I think they do. I have the Bucs losing this one 21-17, and they fall to 1-1 on the year. Yeah, um, I mean, Dirk Cutter actually did decent against the Saints. I think he was like 3-3 against the Saints. Um, Bruce Arians was uh, 0-6. Um, against the Saints in the regular season. So even the year with Jameis in 2019, they, they got swept by New Orleans. So uh, have not fared well. Doesn't seem to matter who the quarterback is. Um, whoever the quarterback is, the Saints beat the Bucks. I have notes here for every single game, um, just on like the, the thing. And uh, I have one note for New Orleans, and all it said was nope. Uh, so 
It's not happening. Uh, they are not beating the Saints, especially in New Orleans week two. Might not still have Chris Godwin. Don't know. Um, I just think that's a tough one. Uh, I so I personally think that Godwin's going to make a push to to get in this game. I, I mean, you really think about it. The last time they had Chris Godwin on the field against New Orleans, he was absolutely tearing him up. They had a problem with him on that Halloween game in New Orleans as well. And for Chris Godwin, I mean, how much more is it going to mean for your first game back to be against the team that took you out? Like the all the all the motivation is there, you know, the 30 for 30 stuff that writes itself. All of that is there. And I want to believe that if Godwin isn't ready to go week one, he's going to be on a snap count in week two because he's going to want to be out there. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, they're definitely be that's pretty, you know division rival and stuff. And I think the Saints are going to be a really good team. Um, I don't think the Bucks are just going to, you know, run away with the division by week ten. You know, like I don't think it's going to be all wrapped up by then. Like the Bucks are going to have to fight for it. So, uh, I yeah, I probably like twenty three to twenty one or so. I think New Orleans wins. I think it's another low scoring game. Yeah, the New Orleans defense, uh, especially with, you know, I mean Luke Gedicki would be his second career start in the NFL against the tough Norns defensive line. That's a tough ask. Um, and I, yeah, I think the Bucks struggles against New Orleans will continue. Like I said, yeah, until, until I see it, until they actually beat New Orleans in the regular season, I'm just not going to believe it's going to happen. Week three, the Bucks are back at home, taking on Aaron Rodgers the and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, it's, it's all the way September 25th before they have a home game. So it's the home opener for the Buccaneers and they're facing perked up Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. To be honest with you, if the Bucs are coming off of a loss to New Orleans, this is going to be a rough week to be a Packers fan. Aaron Rodgers always tends to struggle in Florida, and especially against the Tom Brady-led Bucs. I mean, 2020, I'm sure it's going to be hard for a lot of people to forget. Not only the NFC Championship game, but that regular season thrashing that he had. I mean, through two interceptions and three, four plays, it uh, was his first rough game of the year. Well, I guess week one against New Orleans was also a rough game for him. Yeah, but that was that was the same season. Yeah. No? No. That, that, that was that was last season. So Rodgers and Oh, you're right. You're right. Bucks. You're right. Twenty twenty one played. Man. But that was that wasn't supposed to be in Jacksonville. That was relocated yeah, yeah. to the Hurricanes. That's why that's why I want to think he tends to struggle in Florida here. But he uh I think it could be a close game, but I just do not think that Green Bay is going to have the firepower on the offensive side of the ball to keep it up. If Tom Brady decides to have a day in front of the Raymond James fans, you know if he goes out there and feels like throwing 350 yards and four touchdowns because everything on the offensive side of the ball is working, I think they're going to beat Green Bay by more than one possession in uh, in this one. Now, Aaron Rodgers is obviously capable of making it happen with the wide receiver room that he has. I just or don't know. I just, I, I just think, I just think scheme wise, the Bucks have always done well against the Packers, and uh, this is just going to be another showing of that. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um... I I think for for the first uh for the actually the the, the second time in the Brady era, um, I think the Bucks are gonna be under five hundred. Uh, I think they're gonna lose this game. Uh, it'll be close. I don't think it's gonna have to do with Aaron Rodgers. I think it's because I think the Green Bay defense improved mightily uh, in the offseason. Uh, I think they're gonna be one of the better defenses in the NFL. I think probably a top five unit. And I think Chris Godwin, if he's done playing New Orleans, I think this is a good spot for his return. Um, I just think, again, you know, you're asking Luke Gedeke and Robert Hainsey. It's a tall task again. Uh, the Packers have a lot of talent. They added more talent this offseason uh, to that defense. 
Um, obviously, on offense, they lost Devontae Adams. That's obviously huge. Um, and, and that's why I think this, again, I think the first three games of the season could be pretty low scoring. Uh, I, I think it could be low scoring. Uh, I think the def- the Bucks defense, again, is going to be ahead of the Bucks offense in terms of production. So uh, I think it's low scoring, but I, I just think uh, the Green Bay defense squeaks one out, and uh, it's kind of a heartbreaker. So, like I said, for the second time, in the Brady era, not since week one of 2020 have the Bucks been under 500 in the Brady era. Now they go back under 500 with a one and two record. Um, so yeah, and and then you know, you're almost done this stretch, but you got one more big time opponent coming up. Our first disagreement of the pod. I'm sure we'll have a few more of those by the time this thing is all said and done. But uh, let's get into it here. Week four versus Kansas City on Monday Night Football. It is the second primetime appearance this year for Brady and the Bucs as it is a Super Bowl 55 rematch in the very same location that that infamous beatdown took place. Let's all remember that uh, back there in 2021. But looking at Kansas City coming into this game, obviously people are going to talk about Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. That's always going to be a steady with them. But they did lose some pieces on both sides of the ball. Tyreek Hill obviously gone, takes away a huge target for Pat Mahomes and a guy who absolutely tore the Bucks up in the 2020 regular season. And then, of course, they lost Tyron Matthew to the Saints on the other side of the football. And it's weird because for the first time in a couple of years, people don't really look at the Chiefs as the best team in that division. I mean, I'm sure that there's still a good amount of people that do, but the Bucks should think they're lucky stars. They don't have to, to play any fair. of the other teams from the yeah. AFC West this year. Yeah, the, the division's stacked. Yeah, to yeah. be fair. So saying the Chiefs might not be the best team in the division is still, you know, what well, it's not like it's terrible break. Yeah. A, a lot of people want to look at the Super Bowl 55 matchup, though, and and kind of write this off as a win for the Bucs. And, and I'm definitely not quick to do that. I actually have them losing this game. Um, I, I think this is really one of those that could go either way. I mean, it's a tough stretch for the Buccaneers to open up the season. And when you look at those first four games, if there's one that it makes sense for them to drop, it's probably this Kansas City game. The timing is there. Still trying to figure some stuff out. You know what I mean? Maybe a couple of frustrating mistakes here and there. But I think I think Pat Mahomes is going to be a little bit more ready to go on the offensive side of the ball, even if they have less firepower. You know, kind of like what you said about the defense being ahead of Tampa Bay in this one. But like I said, this one comes down to the wire. It's a three-point game in my prediction, but I do have Kansas City coming out on top, 34-31. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think this is could be the game where the Bucks offense kind of um, wakes up a little bit. Uh, I, I think the, the loss of Tyreek Hill is a pretty big one for Kansas City, and I have the Bucks winning this game. Um, I, I have the Bucks winning this game. Um not as close as yours. I have a, a one possession game. Probably it's probably seven or eight points. Um, I, I do think the Bucks win this game. Um, I, I just think that the Chiefs don't have quite enough, and I think the Bucks being one and two are going to be desperate for a win because I think one and three just would not be good. Uh, well, yeah, one and three would it'd be to nothing start the season. It'd be nothing but, you know, every single major media sports outlet just doubting their playoff hopes. And it, is Brady regretting coming? I can already hear it. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is he going to retire in that midseason? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think they win this one. Go to two and two. Get back to 500. Uh, big win on Sunday Night Football. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to get their first home win uh, in 2022 against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Week 5, some more division action. Take it on the Atlanta Falcons in Raymond James Stadium. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff. This should come as no surprise to anybody listening right now, but uh, the Atlanta Falcons are the worst team in the NFC South by a pretty healthy margin. They have embraced where they are as a franchise. They traded away Matt Ryan, just let him go, right? Brought in Marcus Mariota, Spencer Ritter, who may or may not be starting by week five. I don't know. I don't think he will be. No Calvin Ridley on the offensive side of the ball, and they got a bunch of jobbers on the defensive side of the ball, which means I am fairly confident in saying that the Bucs are going to sweep this series yet again here in 2022 to make it three years in a row. Yeah, I think the Bucs win this as well. Um, Atlanta's just not very good. Uh, they have some talented young pieces. Uh, Drake London, uh, the eighth overall pick. Um, I would expect Marcus Mario to be the starter. But, yeah, it, their defense still ain't it. Um, Kyle Pitts is obviously very good. Uh, I I just don't think Atlanta has enough firepower. The Bucks, you know, it's another home game. The Bucks are pretty good at home. Uh, yeah, and, and Tom Brady's still undefeated in his career against the Falcons. So I think that continues here. I think the Bucks beat him. Week six, they are on the road yet again, going to Pittsburgh. One p.m. kickoff. This could be a trap game if the Bucks aren't careful. I when the when the schedule came out, uh, we had talked about this briefly on that show and I had mentioned that this could be a trap game for Tampa Bay but the way my prediction shakes out it's one of those things where like they kind of know what they're walking into so I've got them at three and two up until this point I think you do as well right Mm -hmm. yeah so yet to still kind of secure that top spot in the division they obviously know what's at stake I know that they're playing an AFC team but wins are going to count early on in the year but Heinz has always been a tough place to play and I'm not going to call it the other name they have it I'm going to call it Heinz Field. It's always been a tough place to play. And Pittsburgh defense pretty much carries them to relevancy every year. And uh, they always seem to play their best football in the first six weeks of the season. So TJ Watt probably going to be doing his thing. You know, they've got some other good pieces on that uh, Steelers defense that is going to make it tough for Brady to really air it out if he wants to. On the offensive side of the ball, they're either going to be working with Mitch Trubisky or rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett, so they'll have the ability to push the ball downfield a little bit more than they would have if they still had Big Ben under center. Luckily, they don't. And uh, basically, what this comes down to, in my prediction, is if uh, the offensive line cannot stay consistent, I think T.J. Watt's just going to tee off. Like That that guy was on defensive player of the year caliber last year. I'm pretty sure he won it. Yep. Yeah. But I am taking the Bucs to win this one. 24-17 is my final score. I, I think they know what's at stake. I think they're going to stay focused. I think having Tom Brady in a game like this always gives you an advantage. But it, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an irritating game to watch, I think. Yeah, it's a tough atmosphere um, being there in, in Pittsburgh. Um, and, and this could be interesting because around this point in the season, depending on how the Steelers' first five games go, you could maybe see Kenny Pickett maybe make his debut in this game. Like, this could be the around the time that maybe they make the switch if they're they're struggling on their record, um, you know, to, to spark the, the team. I would still guess you'll probably see Trubisky, but I think around this time is when you could maybe see Pickett. Um, so I don't really think the, the quarterback wouldn't change things. I think this is going to be probably the lowest-scoring game of the year uh, for the Bucs. Um and I think, just like you said, uh, having a quarterback like Tom Brady, who's been in these types of environments, still defense is elite. I don't think this game is going to be easy. Like you said, this it's going to be irritating, and I think the Bucks barely squeak out with a win. Uh, I just think they're they're the better team. Uh, 
Steelers offensive line is not good. I think the Bucks defense may force a turnover or two, put the Bucks in a pretty good field position, and they're able to capitalize on it. I think that's that's the difference. So I think the Bucks win and improve to, to four and two. Week seven, the Bucks are still on the road for some more division action. They're taking on the Carolina Panthers, a 1 p.m. kickoff. Carolina is heading into its third year under Matt Rule, and they still don't exactly have a long-term answer at the quarterback position. I know Baker Mayfield's development is yet to be seen, and while I can see him potentially giving the Bucks a hard time, limiting mistakes, staying consistent for four quarters is where he needs to improve his game, and he hasn't really been able to do that so far his time in the NFL. I know he's been battling injury. It's going to be a new atmosphere with him in Carolina, but I don't know, man. Baker, I think, is going to Baker at some point in this game. So this game could have its moments like any other division game. Like, I I know it's been a little too close for comfort. Even though they have swept Atlanta and they have swept Carolina, there have been a few moments in those games where it has been a little too close for comfort. So I think this game has plenty of moments like that. But I've also got the Buccaneers taking this one pretty handily by the time it is over. Uh, Final score prediction, if I had to toss something out there, 35-24 Bucks. Uh, it's weird because I have the Bucks winning it too, and I actually wrote a score down as thirty-three twenty-four, so two two points oh, off there. Oh, oh. Um, so I yeah, I just said yeah, Carolina still isn't great. I think Baker Mayfield is an upgrade over Sam Darnold. Like I think Baker Mayfield is better than Sam Darnold, but like he's not that much better than Sam Darnold to really make that big of a difference. Um, I still think Carolina has some holes on their offensive line that the Bucks could exploit, and I don't think their defense is up to the standard. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the Bucks win this one and are five and two. And now all of a sudden, like you know, my one and two start isn't looking so awful. So, yeah, so we both have them at five and two coming into this week eight, taking on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. It is Thursday night football. So the Bucs are going to be on a short week and we're almost at the halfway point of the regular season. And this is really that kind of year where you have to take into account who's healthy. Mm-hmm. I also think it's a factor where when you're coming off of a short week, you know, you do have some guys who probably could play if it was Sunday, but if it's Thursday, yeah. they might be able to skip this one. You know what I mean? So timing on the schedule and a mobile quarterback is going to make this one of the toughest games of the year. I think for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, We just mentioned they're going to be on a short week and everybody being healthy is going to be really important coming into this one. But in terms of offense, you look at the Ravens, they don't bring as much to the table since losing Hollywood Brown, but they still have Lamar Jackson and they've got the best tight end in the league in Mark Andrews. That's a big weak point in the Buccaneers defense. It seems like whenever a team has a a star-studded tight end, there's a couple of times a game where they manage to get open, maybe find the end zone. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens. They've got some familiar names in that secondary. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Kyle Fuller. Those guys are studs. They can make plays, and uh, I do think they do that. I I got the Buccaneers losing this one, 34-31. Ravens take it, and the Bucs fall 5-3. 5-3, excuse me. Yeah, it's a, like you said, a short week uh, against a good team. I think the Ravens, if they can avoid the injury bug, it's been a big factor. And like you said, towards this time of the year, like who knows, right? At this point, that's, this is where these season predictions can kind of get a little bit, eh, you know, because who knows what could happen, right? Like, yeah, the first two, three weeks might be easier to predict because you're betting on guys being healthy. But at this point, you know, who knows? The Bucks have already played seven games. Who knows who could go down for the Bucks? Who knows who could go down for the Ravens? And that could significantly change the prediction, right? Um, 
I I also have the Buccaneers losing this game. Uh, I think it, it's tough that it's on a short week. Uh, I'm interested to see how Todd Bowles plays uh, against a guy like Lamar Jackson because Todd Bowles' defense in Tampa Bay has never played against Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has played against the Bucs once. That was in 2018 in a Ravens win, but that was the last year Dirk Cutter when Mark Duffner was the interim defensive coordinator. So I'm interested to see, and also, 2018, they didn't have Devin White, so they didn't have as much speed at the linebacker position. So I'm interested to see maybe they have Devin White as a spy against Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm just interested to see how they defend that. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Baltimore Ravens just have a bit too much on a short week for the Bucs, and the Bucs drop this one to go to 5-3. and three. I don't want to speak too soon here because we've already disagreed once on a uh, on a game result, but I'm starting to get the feeling we might have the same record. <laughs> Okay. I, I, I I'm starting to feel that. And uh yeah, we, we, I, we have not we have not shared anything, any details about our season no. predictions beforehand. We didn't share anything. I mean, we have offhandedly talked about like, oh, you know, how many games do you think they're gonna win this year? But we haven't had that conversation in probably three, four months, to be honest. Yeah. So let's get into this one, which is gonna tell me a lot. Uh week nine, <laughs> the Bucks are at home taking on the defending Super Bowl champions, the Los Angeles Rams. It is a fourth twenty five PM kickoff, just like the Saints. Everyone and their mother knows the recent history between these two franchises. The Buccaneers are 0-3 against the Rams with Tom Brady at the helm, never finding much traction in terms of moving the football. And the Rams are defending Super Bowl champs, as I had mentioned, coming into this one. And a lot of people see them winning the NFC. You know, the the Bucs and the Rams are pretty much right there. I'd say Tier 2 is like the Eagles. You know what I mean? Like, there's not that many heavy hitters in the NFC this year when you compare it to the AFC. But the Rams are certainly one of those teams. I am picking the Bucs to drop two in a row for the only time in my season prediction. I just don't think they get it done. I, I think the Rams are a schematic nightmare. I, I don't know what it is, man, but they always have our number. It, they're just they're just one of those teams where uh, unless you can get yourself in the most comfortable position you possibly can over the course of the first two quarters, like if they're up 24 to 10 at halftime, I feel a little bit better about them closing this game out. But even then, the Rams are a team that could make it a 31 to 24 final score. Pretty quickly. So, yeah. So I have got the Bucs losing this one. I do think it is a higher scoring, close game, but I just don't think they're able to do enough. Uh, the Buccaneers 28, the Rams 35. And uh, the Bucs, in my prediction, fall to 5 and 4. Yeah, I actually have I, I have my notes. I think it's a high scoring game as well. Um, I think it, it is a pretty high scoring game. And I do have the Bucks losing this game. Um I yeah. The, the Rams are just like the Saints. Um Sean McVay has owned Todd Bowles uh schematically and the Rams defense is built to give Tom Brady issues, and it has. Um you know, it's it's not it's not going to be easy, and it, it's it's they're coming off a rest because of the the Thursday night, so you have about ten days to rest up for this game. But um, it's still they're the defending Super Bowl champions. They're they're a good team still, um, and I just yeah until they actually do it, I think it'll be a close game. I don't think it's going to be like a blowout or anything. But until the Bucks actually do it, um, I I'm just going to count on them not. So I have the Bucks dropping this game as well, falling to five and four, and and folks like. You know, five and four doesn't sound great sort of at the midway point, but you kind of realize just how difficult this schedule is. 
Um, what, what do we it, say at the start of the show? Peaks and valleys, my friend. Yeah, yeah. There, there is in, in every season. The Rams had it last season. You know, the Rams had a, a stretch last season where it was kind of rough for them. Uh, the Bucks, obviously, in twenty twenty, had a had a stretch where it was rough for them. Um, you know, that happens. I think with every team every year, just like you said. So, um, it happens. The Ravens and the Rams, I think, are two of the best teams in the NFL. You're playing them back-to-back. It helps that it's at home, but I just think both those teams just have too much. And, um, yeah, I, I just think it's it's going to be pretty difficult to, to beat the Rams. Yeah, and I also just noticed that we have the Bucks dropping two home games in a row. But I think that's more of a testament to just how good those opponents are more than anything else. It's it's not very often you see Tom Brady and the Bucks lose at home, but... Those are two games I think can certainly get away from them. Let's move on to week 10 here, the final game before the bye week. It is a home game for Tampa Bay, except they're playing it in Germany. They're taking on their expansion partner, the Seattle Seahawks, at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, If you're listening up until this point in the podcast, nothing is official. But we may or may not be planning a uh, a little brunch-type deal watch party with our friends at Berry House. I don't know if I was supposed to say that. So if you heard it and you weren't supposed to, just pretend that you didn't. But um, yeah, it's the NFL's first ever regular season game in Germany. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their expansion partners, the Seattle Seahawks. This is Tampa's last game before the bye week. And uh, if they enter the break at five and five for two weeks straight, nobody's going to shut the hell up about it. Nobody is going to stop talking about it. You're going to see Skip and Shannon every goddamn morning arguing back and forth. I think Tom Brady's washed this time of year going into the bye week. He's just not looking good. And then, of course, you know, I can't do a good skip voice. He's got a little annoying voice, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, Now, with that said, uh, the tail of the tape between these two teams basically tells me the Bucs are going to kick Seattle's ass. Like, (laughs) I I can't see a situation where Geno Smith or Drew Locke come into this game and will Seattle and their offense enough to keep up with the Bucs. The Bucs are going to be coming off of two losses in a row. They're going to want to make a statement before the bye week, and this is the game that they're going to do it. Final score, if I got to throw it out there, I got the Bucs taking this one 38-14. Yeah, um, Seattle's interesting. The receivers are still good. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, like those are still, that's a pretty good duo, so the Bucs have to watch out for that, but... Um, on paper, the Seattle team might be the least talented team that the Bucks play all year. Um, and, and with a difficult schedule, these are the types of games you have to have. Uh, I think Seattle's getting them at a bad time. Like you said, two straight losses for the Bucks. Can't go back to 500. So I do think the Bucks win this game. I will say, I think the Bucks should dominate. And I think they, they'll, they'll win it pretty handily. But international games can be tricky. Um, your travel's messed up. Your sleeping arrangements are kind of messed up. You're playing in an unknown territory um, for both teams. So you never know. Uh, and also a little fun fact, uh, the Bucks have never won an international game, but Tom Brady has never lost an international game. So something's got to give there. And I think Tom Brady's going to keep his undefeated international game streak going. I think the Bucks will beat the Seahawks, go to six and four, make everybody feel a little bit better heading into the bye week at six and four. So um, yeah, I do think that while it's not an ideal six and four record, uh, I still think that with this schedule, uh, I think it's, it's pretty decent. So week 11 at the bye week, we both have the Buccaneers sitting at six wins and four losses on the year. In hindsight, the expectations that people have for this team 
I'm not saying to temper your expectations, but I'm sure a lot of people are listening to us right now having the Bucks at six and four, and they're like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who think that they're only going to lose one or two games during that stretch. And that first half stretch before the bye week is their toughest stretch of the entire year. But I just don't think they're going to come out of that unscathed. I think there's going to be a little bit of stuff they got to work through for the first two, three weeks of the season. And uh, they're not playing any slouches while they are doing that. So while you do have some games that they should be able to win and win pretty handily, not all of them are like that. So it's it's kind of funny that you and I are sitting here oh. on the same page. But yeah, well, and that, that also puts an emphasis on the three games there. Yes. Atlanta, Carolina, Seattle. All three of them must be wins. Yes. Um, all, all three of them must be wins uh, early on. You can't drop any one of those three before the bye week. Uh, all three of them. Those are your, easily your three easiest opponents before the bye week there. So all three of them must be wins. If not, you could be in danger of maybe, you know, not winning the division or something. So you have no excuses not to beat all three of those teams before the bye week there. Coming out of the bye week, it is week 12 in the NFL. The Buccaneers are on the road against the Cleveland Browns. It is a 1 p.m. kickoff. Now, this is the final week of Deshaun Watson's suspension, so he's going to be watching from elsewhere as Tampa Bay takes on Jacoby Brissett, presumably. Yeah, most likely. And the Cleveland Browns. Now, this prediction is obviously a lot different if Deshaun Watson is under center, but he is not. This will be his final week before he's back with the team. So I have to imagine that the Browns, I mean, while they are going to be playing for something, I just don't know how many wins they're going to get with Jacoby Brissett. But that's neither here nor there. We're just talking about this Week 12 matchup. And with that being said, the Browns have some playmakers scattered around the roster, but I think the Bucs are going to have some extra rest coming into this one. And they're going to have an offense that's kind of ready to run the score up on somebody, and I think that's what they're going to do. Uh, they're going to be in Raymond James. You're going to want to play to your home fans, and they're going to have yeah, an they, opportunity. They, they, they games in Cleveland. Oh, and you're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. Either way, I got the Bucks winning this one, 34 to 17. If it's home or away, they're still winning it by more than one possession. Bucks go to seven and four. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah, we know Deshaun Watson uh, will not be playing in this game. So, like you said, that changes things. Um, I thought the Bucks were going to win this game either way, though. Uh, even if Watson was going to play. So I think the Bucs are the better team. This could be a game with some interesting weather. Um, because obviously it's Cleveland. It's going to be November 27th. Uh, so late November, you could get some interesting weather there, some freezing rain, maybe some snow, who knows, um, just bad weather overall. So be, be on the lookout for that. But um, I think the Bucks. I think this is not a blowout. Um, because I think, you know, Cleveland, I mean, Miles Garrett is, is a beast. Uh, Denzel Ward in the secondary is really good. Uh, they have some, a lot of talented players as well, you know, all over the board on defense. And, um, but I, I do think the Bucs win this game, uh, improve to seven and four. I just, like I said, I just think the Bucs are the better team. It may not be pretty the entire time, uh, but I, I do think they, they end up winning this game. Week 13, it is some more division action. They are at home. Sunday night football. Monday. Monday night football. Excuse me. Man, I've got my stuff all messed up. Week 13, taking on New Orleans. Monday night football. Uh, we've been here before. We know the deal. We talked about it week two. We're talking about it now. Bucks are going to win this one. All right. Damn it. The Bucs are going to win this game. Depending on how Dennis Allen allows his coordinator to run that offense, I think by this point in the season, New Orleans and their fans will have seen a fair amount of the Jameis Winston experience. 
and I want to believe this is where the Bucks can take advantage of a mistake and they can take one. I, I think it's a low scoring game. I think this is lower scoring than the Pittsburgh game. I got mm. the Bucks taken at 17 10. Hmm. Okay. Um in my notes again, I have nope. So they're not beat they're not beaten. Hey, you're a man not. of your word. You're a man of your word. All right. Yeah. You said after the second game last year when yeah. they played New Orleans, you said I am never ever ever gonna pick them to beat new orleans and i'm glad that you have you've held up to your standard you're a man of your word until they beat new orleans in the regular season i will not pick them to beat new orleans i did it in 2020 i said they were gonna split in 20 after they got swept in 2020 in regular season in the season predictions for last year i said okay you know what They're, they're gonna split though not this year nope um hopefully that's reverse psychology there hopefully that means that they they will win one right uh yeah i just think I think New Orleans obviously is still going to be playing for something at this point. I think they're going to be firmly in that wild card or even division mix, depending on how their schedule goes. People forget that they, they still play a similar schedule to the Bucs. Um, so they have a difficult schedule as well. Um, I think this is a close game, but I just think, you know, the, the Saints can beat the Bucs on Sunday afternoon. They can beat the Bucs on Sunday night. And I think they can beat the Bucs on Monday night. So uh, I, I do think this is another loss against the Saints. Uh, like I said, I, I hope to be wrong. And if they are, if I am wrong, then next year's season predictions, maybe I will pick them to beat New Orleans in one or two of them. But until they do that, I'm, I'm not doing it. So you, you can't. You can't try to clinch a division and then lose nine to nothing to Taysom Hill and expect me to think you're going to beat them somehow. So, uh, yeah, I think the the Bucks are going to be seven and five at this point, entering the really the final stretch of the regular season. Some positive words for our listening audience there. Yeah, well, some truthful, some words, hope, maybe. some <laughs> hope. That's what we do here on the podcast. We instill <laughs> some hope. Well, let's continue to try and instill some hope here. Week 14 for the Bucks up on the calendar now. They are on the road still, or actually back on the road, to go cross-country and play the San Francisco 49ers. It is a 4.25 p.m. kickoff, so it's basically a 1.25 p.m. kickoff over there. So they'll be playing at the hottest point of the day. But it's week 14. It's going to be like November, so it'll be all right. Now... Many have billed the 49ers as an NFC contender down the stretch, and depending on who their quarterback is, it, it's kind of hard for me to agree with that. Um, will they win some games? Yeah. Will they be a force to reckon with in the postseason? I seriously have my doubts. Uh, strong defense for San Francisco, and that's going to be something to watch out for in this matchup, but I do think Lenny has a big day in this one in particular, and Tampa Bay takes it. I've got the Bucs winning this 28-17. to I have the Bucks losing this game. What the? F- what? What? Why? <laughs> I I have the Bucks losing this game for, for okay, a few okay. reasons. So now, oh, okay. Ahead, so please. now, never mind. Go ahead. I'll I'll tell you at the end of the show. Okay. Um, they play on Monday night in Tampa, and then they have to go across the country to play on Sunday, in in six days. That's tough. That's tough to do. Um, it's a tough West Coast trip. The schedule makers didn't do them a favor on that one. Um, and I think the 49ers, again, they're playing some tough defenses this year. And I think the 49ers with Nick Bosa, with uh, Fred Warner, um, their secondary can be exploited. And I think if the Bucs you know, want to win this game, they're going to have to have big days from their receivers. I think the offensive line's really going to have to hold up. But um, I think this is a game where it's, again, it's very close. And I think this could be a game where you lose on like a last second field goal or something. Uh, I would expect Trey Lance. Uh, I still would expect Trey Lance. I don't think he's going to struggle 
enough for Jimmy Garoppolo to have to be in there. Um, but I, I do think the 49ers have a pretty good roster. And I think, like I said, it's just, it's tough in six days. You're supposed to go across the country uh, after playing Monday night, as after playing Monday night, you have to wake up Tuesday, go across the country and play. That's, that's difficult. And um, I, I think the Bucks drop this one and go to seven and six. And all of a sudden, Things are starting to get interesting for even the division because New Orleans would have the tiebreaker over you because I haven't beaten you twice. So um, it would be interesting, uh, interesting what final four games as you get through literally the last stretch of that regular season there. Yeah, well, right now on the schedule is uh, the moment of truth, if you will. And I think you'll catch my drift here in a second. The Bucs are at home taking on the AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals with Joey Burrow. 425 p.m. kickoff for this. This is going to be a fun-ass game. I, I think this could be game of the year, to be honest. I don't know if I'm just getting my hopes up for this one, but I think these two offenses, assuming everyone's healthy, this could very well be game of the year between Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. The Bengals made a clear effort to upgrade their offensive line this year, grabbing former Bucks right guard Alex Kappa over the offseason. They addressed a couple of other needs as well. So they're coming into this pretty much in better shape than they were last year, and they made it all the way to Super Bowl 56. Now... Two high-powered offenses here. I, I think if you get stellar quarterback play from both of those guys, which they are more than capable of, this could end up being a shootout. Unless Todd Bowles can you know, dial up the pressure and get after the quarterback consistently, really slow down Joe Burrow, this is a game that could go either way. And with that being said, I have the Bengals taking this one with a final score of something crazy, like 45-42. Okay. Bucks um, fall to 9-5 and five in my prediction. I have the Bucks winning this game, um, going to eight and six. Uh, I think the Bengals are being a little bit overrated now. Um, yeah, they improved their offensive line, but like, are they going to have the same magic? Like, is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase going to have the same exact magic that they did last year? Like, I don't know. Um, I think they're still going to be good. I just don't know if they're going to be like as high level as we saw last year. Um, I still think they have questions on their defense. And I think Brady's going to be able to exploit it. I think this could maybe, I don't know if this game is going to be very close. Um, I think this could be a game where you're like, oh, like, just like you said, like, oh, this could be a game of the year matchup. Almost kind of like the, the Bills game last year in the first half. Um, a lot of people saying, oh, my God, Bucks versus Bills, you know, in Tampa. This one is in Tampa as well. The Bucks are turning to Tampa. And, um, you know, everybody's saying, oh, this could be a game of the year, game of the year. The Bucks come out and start dominating the Bills. Obviously, the Bills came back. But I think this time the Bengals wouldn't come back. And I don't think it's a complete blowout, but I think the Bucks probably win it by two scores, probably 10 points, 14 points. Um, and I, th I think they win, go to eight and six. And I also see our, our predictions are different because in, in my scenario, you know, they're coming off of two straight losses. They need this win. They're a team desperate for a win back on home turf. And I think they get it. All right. Week 16 Buccaneers are on the road back out on the West coast for Christmas day. It is a season Christmas. of first. Thank God, hang on. Thank God's Christmas night. Is. Yeah. I, I do not. I, yeah. I did not want to play a Christmas Day game. So thank God it's Christmas night. <laughs> it is a season of first for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they head to Arizona for the franchise's first ever game on Christmas. They will play an Arizona team that is proven to be uh, very inconsistent down the stretch, even with Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. Bucks are going to win this one. 31-21 is my score. They advance to 10 and 5. Yeah, I... 
it's it's interesting. Yeah, you wanted to play the Cardinals later in the year because history tells you that the Cardinals always start off pretty hot. They were undefeated. I think were they seven and zero or six and zero? Yeah, seven, they, seven or eight and zero. I think at yeah, one point. But, but before they lost to the Packers, I remember. Um, so it was that I think Rasul Douglas had the interception, where AJ Green just didn't like turn around or something. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to be playing the Cardinals later in the season because like they like wear off. And if you look at even Cliff Kingsbury's records at Texas Tech his team started off fast and they just ended so slow. So I think, again, the Bucs win this one by two scores. Uh, I think the, the Bucs win this one by 10 or 14 points or so. Uh, I think they put together a complete game, one of the most complete games that they're going to put together this year. And I think, yeah, they're going to give Bucks fans a Christmas gift and go to nine and six. I think we can put a, Put a little bow on these last two games of the year. It's a couple of division games. The Bucs are back at home in Week 17, taking on the Panthers. It is a 1 p.m. game. I think if the Panthers are playing for like a last chance playoff spot, this could be a tough game. But I, I still do not see them beating Tampa Bay here. I think the Bucs are going to sweep the series. Um, you know, I have my doubts that they're going to come into this game completely healthy. And the Bucs have already handled them once by this time in my predictions. So... Got Tampa Bay taking it by two possessions. Uh, 38-17 is my final score. And then week 18, they are on the road to close things out against Atlanta. Kickoff time yet to be determined. But given my pre- uh, previous comments on Atlanta, the point still stands. Bucks will win their final game on the road and have some room to rest their starters before the postseason. I think they take this one 34-10. Uh, yeah, versus Carolina, I actually think that's a pretty close game. I think Carolina's going to give them their best shot. Uh, I just don't think Carolina has enough. They, they could play upset. I mean, by this yeah. time in the season, when you're playing a division opponent, I, I mean, in your prediction, it's a little bit different, but I'm assuming the Bucks with these two wins can basically lock up the division. Uh, yeah, I, I would guess. Um, so I, I think Carolina, I think it's close actually, but, um, I think maybe Carolina could have an interim coach by this point. Maybe they're trying to fight hard for the interim coach teams. Teams always seem to fight harder when there's an interim coach. Just oh yeah. 100%. Natural. Um, so I think this is actually a close game, but Carolina just doesn't have the talent. The Bucks are at home. So yeah, I think the Bucks win that go to 10 and six and then week 18 versus Atlanta. Atlanta could be all packed up by then just ready to go out. Um, I think the Bucks could still have some seeding possibilities for this game uh just some things you know maybe if you win you go to three or two or if this if this and this happens um so i i think brady i said brady will start the game but i think gabbert would end up finishing the game so i think the bucks would win this one by two or three scores um to end the regular season on a high note and be 11 and six um, which I mean, wow. it's, it's a difficult schedule. Um, it, it really is a difficult schedule. And I think a lot of the questions that they have on the interior of the offensive line. And, um, you know, I just think that I think the loss of Rob Gronkowski is a pretty big one. I don't think they're going to get nearly the same production from the tight end position that they did. Uh, Russell Gage is a nice player, but I think we can all agree that, you know, despite the off field stuff, Antonio Brown is a better player. Um, I think Jordan, the loss of Jordan Whitehead could be exposed at some points during the run game. It seems like he was a pretty important piece there. Um, and I just think that, uh, I think also, I don't think people are talking about enough about the loss of Ali Marpet because he was just so good. And that interior, you're going to have literally three new starters for this season on the interior. And I don't think that can be overlooked, especially with the slate of opponents that you have. So um, I actually did, I don't know if you did, but I did the MVP. Offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, 
um, rookie of the year and a breakout candidate. So if you have any other comments, you can go ahead or I'll just go ahead. Then. I got the Bucks at 12 and five winning the NFC South. I think a two seed. Is I, probably... I, I do. I do think they win the NFC South. Yes. Yeah. I, I think there'll be a two seed. Um, I, I think the Rams are probably the team that's going to end up locking up the one seed. If I had to guess, maybe by one game, you know, they go 13 and four, but yeah, I got the Bucks at 12 and five. And for the first time all the way since uh, 2019, we have different score predictions. So we'll, we'll see how this one shakes out. Uh, either way, one of our streaks will be broken mm-hmm. at the end of the year. One of them, maybe both. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe the Bucks go 13 and four, 14 and three. You know, hopefully they're not going 10 and seven. Hopefully yeah, they're not no going kidding. the other way. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a difficult schedule. Um, they literally have, I think, five games that I think you could say, yeah, these are pretty light games. And that's both Carolina, both Atlanta, and Seattle. That's it. Like, other than that, you're playing quality opponents, um, which I, I think is going to be tough. And uh, there's there's a lot of question marks on this team. And uh, there was a lot of question marks in 2020, though, too. Obviously, before the season, there was no preseason, brand new quarterback, a rookie right tackle. Um, you know, there was a lot of question marks, and, and they were able to, to overcome them, obviously. And a lot of those question marks were answered with exclamation points, basically. Um, hopefully, that's the case for this year. But um, for now, just looking at it, I think 11 and 6. And I mean, the Bucks won 11 and 5 in 2020. They, they won 11 games in 2020 and still won the Super Bowl. So winning 11 games there, while there's losing six, winning 11 is not the end of the world. It's also a 17-game schedule. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's going to be a lot harder for teams to go 16-1, and 15-2. and two. You yeah, know what I mean? I don't, you, I don't you, think you're seeing that. Yeah, you're really good at You're You're going to have to be the cream of the crop all year long. Like, I don't let me speak too soon, but I don't think we're ever going to see a team go a perfect 17-0 and 0 in the regular yeah. season. I just don't think it happens. I don't think so. Not not for a little while, at least. All um, right, so let's get to player superlatives. You wanted to open things up. You said you've got offensive and defensive MVP plus much more. Uh, get your list out there, and then I'll follow up with mine. Okay, so team MVP is Tom Brady. Um, I just think he's how, how can it not be right? Yeah, let me let me go ahead. And, let me go ahead and also say right. that my team MVP is is Tom Brady. <laughs> Breaking news here. Yeah, so I think uh, Brady will be Brady. And um, I don't think he'll have the numbers that he did last year. I think they legit want to run the ball more, put the ball out of Brady's hands a bit more. He threw a lot last year. Uh, He had a lot of passing attempts. Um, Led the league by like a couple hundred. Yeah, yeah, it was was a lot. And uh, I, I don't think they want to have him throw that much. So I do think his passing numbers will be a bit down, but I think he's still gonna, he's still good for, you know, at least, 34, 35 touchdowns, uh, obviously, you know, probably 45, 4,600 yards at least. So uh, I think he's going to have a really good year. Uh, offensive player of the year, obviously, if the MVP is Tom Brady, offensive player of the year has to be Tom Brady as well. Uh, if I had to give a receiver that I think could have a big year, uh, I actually think it's Chris Godwin after he returns. Um, I think it could be Chris Godwin. Obviously, he's a favorite of Brady's. He's a huge part of this offense, and I think the Bucks would be grateful that he's back. So I think Chris Godwin could have a pretty nice year. Uh, defensive player of the year. 
this obviously after training camp and everything that I saw and everything I read, um, I have Levante David being the defensive player of the year for this team. Uh, he looked really good. He's explosive, looks a hundred percent healthy. Um, like I said, in the preseason game versus Indy, he had that sack. Uh, he, he looks really explosive right now. And I think he's going to have, this is going to be really the last year. I think you see of like, wow, yeah, like, this is, like, his banner year, you know? Like, it's not saying he's going to completely suck after this, but, like, this is going to be, like, his no, last once... year, you know, of, like, like wow, like, yeah, Levante Davis to Levante Davis. So well, and the fact of the matter be... is is that when you're in the NFL and you've been playing for 10-plus years, which Levante David has now, it's it's just like we've seen with Tom Brady for, you know, almost 10 years at this point, it's almost a fight against time, and everybody mm-hmm. starts to kind of look at the reality of it being – when you abuse your body the way that these NFL players do for years upon years upon years, and you're dealing with years of injuries, it's going to catch up to you. And I don't think it's caught up with Levante David yet. Just like you said, I can echo pretty much everything. He looked awesome in the preseason game, especially uh, the defensive series they had against Indy. I mean, he was all over the field, man. So I I want to agree there. But if I had to throw a defensive MVP out there, I will say that mine will be the other linebacker, uh, Devin White. I think he kind of bounces back this year. Not to say that he was awful last year, but I think some people would say maybe it was a little quiet. You know what I mean? For for what we know he is capable of, for the guy that he is on this defense, it probably was a little bit of a quiet year. But I think the sack total goes up. I think he gets after the quarterback a little bit more. We love to see that kind of stuff. So I got Devin White as my uh, defensive MVP. I assume you have Tom Brady as your offensive. Yeah, yeah. I just, yep. (laughs) <laughs> if uh, I if but, I had to give an honorable mention or if I had to pick another player, I want to say Leonard Fournette. Okay. Um, I, I hope he continues to carry the momentum he set for himself in 2021. He's become a much better receiving back. Would like to see that carry over. And if he can continue that consistency, start to show up and honestly take some pressure off of Tom Brady to throw the ball 50 damn times a game, then I, I will take that as a win for uh, Leonard Fournette. So I'll make him like my honorable mention offensive MVP. Okay, yeah, rookie of the year. Um, it's kind of a cop out, but I'll, I'll say Rashad White. Um, I know I think that's probably the popular pick. Uh, I just don't know how much Logan Hall is going to play. Plus, I think defensive linemen, you never really see a splash defensive lineman right out of the gate unless you're really special. Well, especially those interior guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, it takes a little bit. So, um, and then same thing with, with Luke Gedeke. Like, you know, like, it's tough for Luke, an offensive lineman, to win a rookie of the year award on a team. So, um, Kate Otten, I just don't think he's going to be explosive enough. So, I think, yeah, Rashad White could be uh, that guy that gets a lot of snaps. And I think by, like I said, I keep saying, I think by midseason, I think Giovanni Bernard is going to start off as the team's primary third down back when Leonard Fournette's all the field. But I think by week eight, nine, 10, I think you're going to see a lot more Rashad White at that point. Um, so I, I think he's going to have a pretty good year. Uh, and do you want to share your rookie or do you want me to get into my breakout? No, I'll share my rookie. Honestly, I, I will say Luke Gedeke. Um, okay. Not because he's going to almost, like- I almost want a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I wanted to go Co'Keefe too because he's been kicking so much ass lately. But Luke Gedeke, I mean, there isn't – I don't think there's a player on this team aside from a guy like Tom Brady who is under more pressure to perform well. I mean, like, yeah, you got your Shaq Mason plugging in at the right guard. Robert Hainsey, of course, the second-string center, now going to uh, have a lot of pressure on him this season to keep things, you know, great with Brady, make sure he snaps the ball damn well. But, yeah, Luke Gedeke, man – it was kind of a rough preseason for him. Uh, that game against Indy when he was playing with the first team starters, he wasn't great. And a lot of people are going to take notice of that. And a lot of people are going to be overly critical with him 
for the first part of the season because I can just see it now. You know what I mean? There's going to be a little bit extra pressure that gets to Brady this year that maybe wouldn't have gotten there last year. Everybody's going to point their fingers at the interior de- or offensive mm-hmm. line, all the new faces. But I think trial by fire with Gedeke this year is is where he kind of just learns to come into his own. And I think by the end of the year, he's going to be playing good enough football to where this offensive line holds up. I, I think he's got a good group of guys around him. Uh, I know Ali Marpet is gone, but Tristan Wirfs and Donovan Smith are no slouches. You know what I mean? These guys are still here for a reason, and uh, hopefully he can just make the best of the room that he's in. But I, I'm picking Gedeke this year. I'd like to see him do well. Okay, and um, I, I made this before the depth chart. Everything came out, but I'm sticking to it. My breakout is Jamel Dean. Um, I think he is in a contract year. So, so like the umpteenth year in a row, it feels like. No, I don't think I. I don't think I picked him last. I don't remember who I picked last year. It's all right. I, I just I picked OJ Howard every year. So <laughs> I think I. I still can pick Noah Spence. Um, it, it's it's hey, also, free, a free it's, agent right well, now. By the way, I don't think he got claimed on waivers yet. The the Bengals are just unserious about winning. That's that's what that shows me. They just they don't want to win um, because there there's a player that they just said no nope, goodbye. So um, they don't want to win. I, that, that's I will fine. tell you this. I will tell you this. If there was a name that I did not expect to show up on the waiver wire this week, it was Noah Spence because I didn't think he was still in the league. I knew he was still in the league, of course. Well, and of course you knew. Um, but uh, he, he should be on the Bucks. Um, if, a little if reunion, bring him man- home. If I was bring the general home. manager, if I was the general manager, he would be like the longest tenured player. Easily. Um, He'd be like the Ryan Griffin of the defense, essentially. (laughs) Like, no matter what happens, he's surviving. Um, Yeah, but my breakout, Shamel Dean, like I said, the contract year, I I talk about this all the time. He's got all the physical tools. And I think when, you know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, when you're talking about physical tools of a cornerback, I think Jamel Dean has the best tools. Doesn't mean he's the best, but I think he has the best tools of any corner on the roster. Um, doesn't mean he's the most talented. Uh, I, I think obviously Carlson Davis is clearly the, the best corner, the most talented corner, but as far as physical tools, as far as speed, height, like that combination, ball skills and everything, uh, Jamel Dean has the best tools. He hasn't able, been able to put it together and been doing it consistently. So I think this year, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, fantastic. Oh, you got the Bucks have two number one corners. No, but I, I think he's going to have the best year of his career so far. And I think he's going to earn a second contract with the team. It's going to be a critical year for him to do that. A lot of second contracts are going to be due, especially in the secondary. So we'll keep an eye on all of that stuff throughout the course of the season. This probably seems like a cop out. Okay. Uh, is it offense? Let me guess it. Is it offense or defense? Offense. Offense. Actually, uh, you know what? I'm going to change it. I, I have a, I have, yep, I got it. Defense. I, I know who it is. Who is it? If, if, say it, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. Uh, you know, you know. Go ahead, say it. Number nine, Joe Tryon yeah. Shoyinka. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think the, I think the more reps that he gets, the better. It's going to do him a big favor. He's obviously spent an offseason in an NFL weight room, which is a huge deal, packed on a bunch of muscle. And uh, he, he's got a pretty damn good supporting real, cast, especially quick, in the middle of that defensive line. Re, real quick, who was the offensive player? Uh, Russell Cage. Okay, I had, I had thought it might have been him too. Yeah. Well, that's why it felt was, like a cop-out because, like, he's the new player. He's already kind of a proven athlete. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, it, it, it yeah. felt 
felt like a cop wasn't out. Really, but no, it I'm, wasn't I'm, really a breakout. But yeah, man. but I am incredibly excited. Like this is this is no exaggeration. I am so excited to watch JTS this year. I think that guy's going to turn it up to another level. Do I think he's going to be getting twenty sacks like Shaq Barrett? No, but I do think he has the potential to be just as productive as a guy like Shaq Barrett has been over the last two seasons here in Tampa Bay. All right. Uh, then one more thing you said we were, you were going to mention it after the the thing. So when I when I said eleven and six, like what were oh, you? Well, you got to eleven and six, and I, I knew our prediction wasn't going to be the same. Um, but we I, got to I, I we got to a point where when when I had picked them to drop two in a row, and you had also picked them to drop two in a row, I didn't realize that you already had six losses for them at that point. So in my head, we both had five losses going into the game against Cincinnati. Or in my head, we both had four losses going into the game against Cincinnati. So I was like, oh, if he picks the Bengals to win, then we both probably have them going 12 and 5, which was like, I mm. guess, where my head was at at the time. But clearly not the case. Yeah. Well, yeah. like you said, we will see. I, I, I'm pretty confident one of us is going to be right. I don't think they're matching last year's win total. And I definitely don't think yeah. they're exceeding it. I don't I think just, the four. I, I have a tough. I don't think the floor is anything lower than 11 and six. And I don't think the ceiling is anything higher than 14 and three. If I'm honest, I, I think 13 and four is probably the ceiling. Yeah. I mean, 13 and four, that that'd be pretty darn good. Oh yeah. Especially considering the slate of opponents that they've got. Yeah, and that I mean, that's, I know we keep kind of talking in circles and we'll wrap up with this, but something to keep in mind as you listen to these picks, this is a, a tough schedule for Tampa Bay. One of the <laughs> toughest schedule this team is, has ever seen in the history of us covering the Buccaneers on this podcast. Like, yeah, it's not. I mean, look at the teams that I have. I have them losing to. I have them losing to the Saints. That's a good team. Um, I have them losing to the 49ers. The 49ers were in the NFC title game last year. I have them losing to the Ravens. The Ravens are one of the better teams in the NFL. I have them losing to the Rams. The Rams won the Super Bowl last year. I have them losing to the Packers. The Packers were in the playoffs last year, and they're always consistently one of the best teams in the NFL. Like, like I'm, I'm not having them, I'm not having them lose to the Panthers or Falcons or anything, but they're playing good teams. They're going to beat some good teams, but they're also going to lose to some good teams. It's going to be a fun year. I am should excited. Be, should be a fun year. Yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the Campfire Podcast is officially back for our 2022 season coverage. We're really going to get things rolling next week as we are joined for the first edition of the Mailbag Show with former Bucks quarterback Sean King. So submit your questions for that, Podcast at gmail.com. Also, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those places, uh, best place to, Jesus Christ, best place to go for Bucks news as it happens speaking of bucks news show updates and bucks news as it happens god i'm tired man it's been it's been a long day um (laughs) speaking of bucks news as it happens you can follow my co-host evan on instagram at bucks underscore daily the number one buccaneers fan page on instagram you can also find him on twitter at evan nfl last but not least you can find myself instagram and twitter all of those are at reticus r-h-e-t-t-a-k-u-s if you follow me i will follow you back thank you folks for listening we truly do appreciate your support we will talk to you in the next one i'm your host rep matthew signing off for my co-host evan wanish we'll see you next week until then and as always go box thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.